I'm Christine Bentley in studio with Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money, that's a wealth esteem. Now, I don't know if our listeners realize that this is our fifth anniversary. Mm -hmm. Five years. Can you believe it? I can't believe it, but <laughs> I've enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Um, you know, our, our mandate when we started this was to tell the world about the amazing pool of talented women that we have in Canada, whether they were mompreneurs, artists, singers, entertainers, women and girls in STEM and science. And, and I've learned so much. So have I. And, and then it's expanded to women in general. So mm-hmm. we'll take women from the U.S. or any other country who happen to come be coming through Toronto with something exciting and also Canadian men Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we have such a talent pool in this country. Um, uh, People who really excel in every single field. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just been a great eye opener. I always knew it. But now we've really had a chance to sort of focus on it, mm-hmm. and it's been it's been wonderful. It has. Now, we have a great lineup of guests for you today, of course, starting with performer and producer Diane Johnston. February is Black History Month, and one of the highlights that shines a spotlight on diversity off and on screen and gives minorities a voice is the 7th Annual Toronto Black Film Festival. It showcases more than 70 films from 26 countries, and Diane is going to tell us about some of the films you're going to want to check out. I, I I don't know if you believe this, but camping season is actually just around the corner. Mm-hmm. In terms of booking, you've got to book because we have some of the most, you know, beautiful places in this country. So you need to st- book your spot. Mm-hmm. So travel expert Candace Sampson is going to be here to tell us about her RVing adventure with Ontario Parks and why you should put your fears aside and rent an RV this summer. Do something different. Doesn't have to be a cottage always, right? Film critic Ann Brody is going to tell us what to watch at the movies and on TV this weekend. And we'll also be joined by Greg LeBreton, head of the science department at Stephen Lewis Secondary School in Mississauga, to talk about why a solid understanding of science is so important to students' future success. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions today, we have Toronto singer-songwriter Michelle Cavallari performing This Means War. Now, don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk, and you can watch interviews and connect with us and our guests. We also have a YouTube channel where you can see everything we have done over the last five years. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. 
That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. February is Black History Month, and one of the highlights that shines a spotlight on diversity often on screen and gives minorities a voice is the 7th Annual Toronto Black Film Festival. We are absolutely delighted to be joined by performer and producer Diane Johnston to tell us more about it. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. The festival showcases more than 70 films from 26 countries. Wow. Yes. So tell us how you first got involved. Oh, wow. I just heard about the festival and went downtown, and then I liked the network. So I actually first met Joyce, who is one of the uh, producers with the festival, and I believe close friends with the creator of the festival, Fabian Colas. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I just made myself known. And before you knew it, I'd offered, you know what, I know somebody. So last year I had Robbie Reed. She's the L.A. casting director with BET. Now she's an executive with BET, Black Entertainment Television, Mm -hmm. come in and do a master class. Wow. That's awesome. Now, um, the festival is is underway. It runs until Monday. But you're welcoming this year Tarana Burke, the Me Too movement founder and one of Time magazine's 100 most influential people in 2018. So tell us more about that. Listen, I have to admit that I did not even know that she was the founder Mm -hmm. of this Me Too movement because of all the other faces that were out there before Mm -hmm. I saw her face. So I'm really happy that she's coming so I get to ask her some questions because she will be doing a a Q&A. There will be a Q&A mm-hmm. involved. So she's not just going to be there where you won't get a chance to ask your question. So I recommend that everybody buy their tickets, go to torontoblackfilm.com quickly before they sell out mm-hmm. and order your tickets online. So yeah, she'll, she'll be here. She'll be receiving the Social Impact Award. So what is the what is the event or the timing for that if people do want to nine o'clock this evening nine o'clock nine o'clock yes wow yeah Saturday night that's excellent and that'll be at the Isabel Batter Theater so yeah great so um, what are some of the films we should be sort of keeping our eye on this year wow there's a lot to see as you said we've got over seventy films from twenty six different countries okay and at least sixty eight of them are premiering for the first time here. There is a film, um, there's a couple of Canadian films that are actually in the uh, uh, festival as well. And we do have one in particular that is uh, called, what is that called? Sprinter, I believe it is. That one is executive produced by Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Mr. Jane and Finch. That's one of our Canadian ones. Yes, I I have heard about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that'll be um, going on as well. And we've got Salvage also, which is by Tyler... Dowie. He's a Canadian uh, producer, filmmaker. How are, how do you curate what films are, are going to be involved? As long as they're good. <laughs> they've got to be good. Quality. And who decides that? I believe the, well, there's a panel, I guess there's a, a, a committee that does that, but Fabian makes sure that the films have to be good. And they actually just portray black reality. So it doesn't have to be a black producer or a black director. We've got over a little bit less than half of our films are directed by women this year as well, too. That's excellent. So as long as the quality is good, they are uh, talking about and showing black reality and they've got a lead actor as a black person. Great. Good okay. quality. Yeah. 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 So, so why is the festival so important to you? Diversity. Mm-hmm. It gives a chance, us a chance to see differences, differences that we don't see a lot on screen today. And being a person of color, you know, there I am. 
So I'll get to see myself. So anybody who loves film, who wants to be entertained, who, who, who wants to see something good, who wants to learn, come on down and get a chance to see a good film. Has it gotten better, though, in the last decade? I think so. This is the seventh year that it's in. Again, and when I went down the first time, I think the first time that I went down, I was actually trying to network with a uh, talent director. A, ta- a, a talent agent. That's what I went down for. And then I saw what was going on. I went, oh, this is pretty nice. Well put together. Mm-hmm. And I like quality. So it's like, let me see what's going on. It's, it's gotten better. And I'm sure it's going to continue to get better because we can only get better. There was one film I, I saw and I just quickly uh, yes. Googled and looked it up. I saw it. It was back in 1995 with John Travolta, White Man's Burden. Did you see that film? I didn't know. It's It's a fascinating film because it was um, an American drama about racism in an alternative America where black and white Americans have reversed cultural roles. So the only people you would see in commercials were black people and the you know if you I don't know how to put it politely but the but it was everything was reversed on a fashion show it was beautiful you know um african tribal f- fabrics you know uh, were and everything was reversed the, the lawn jockeys were white you know and yes. it was just but just to get a sense of how um, it affects a culture because because the John Travolta is um, an impoverished, um, you know, very lower class man, mm-hmm. and his family. They're saying, you know, we never see ourselves on TV, mm. and it really sort of struck me. And yes. it was a long time, but I think that was the first time um, Harry Belafonte was in it. At the first time that I've um, really looked at it from a different perspective, and you know, obviously it was. You know, over 20, 20 years ago mm-hmm. now that, that that film came out. But what was it like growing up for you, not seeing yourself recognized oh in, boy, in entertainment I can features? So I will date myself when um, there was black and white TV. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and, and I would sit there and watch TV, and whenever there was a person of color on TV, this is what I would say, Mommy, there's black people on TV. <sighs> You know, and it was a thing for us to come around and watch the TV because like, oh, we saw ourselves. There's Diana Ross. There's Sammy Davis Jr. There's there's a black person on TV. So it was really exciting. And, and what you just described about that movie, I mean, it's the thing of saying when you walk in another man's shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things today that we we may not realize what the other person's going through because we just don't have that perception of it. Mm-hmm. We don't have that experience. Yes. And so... You know, we're we're all connected, whether we realize it or not. Well, they they had so many symbols. You know, as I said, you know, the, the laundry. So many symbols that we we're used to seeing. Yes. And when you saw them reversed, it really, yes, it really hit you. And I'm surprised that the film didn't get as much play as as it did. But it, yeah, I'm sure it's out there on YouTube somewhere, and, and maybe something. Say the name of it again. White man's burden. Mm-hmm. Um, stellar cast. Yes. And uh, very very interesting. Um, now. Let's talk about Family Day programming on Monday. Monday um, yes. Tell us kids about Day. the Kids Film yes. Festival. So there is Kids Day on Monday, and there is a film. I'm just going to look for that right here. I've got it. Jim Button and Luke the Engine Driver. So I believe this is a new segment as well. Mm-hmm. It was there last year to have Kids Day. And so it would be a great time, again, to come down, bring the children down to get to see some film and, mm-hmm. and enjoy the activities that will be there. And enjoy the activities. Yes. Um, so uh, there is really something for everyone, I there guess. There is something for everyone. So, and um, as I said, it's underway. How many films are you screening like throughout the 70 films? But how are you spacing it out over... 
over the weekend? Oh, boy. We've got shorts as well. Mm-hmm. I will be uh, moderating some of the, uh, taking care of some of the Q&As for some of the shorts as well mm-hmm. today and t- tomorrow as well. Um, it's just an ongoing process throughout the day until the evening. And then there's food. There's different food from different nations that will be served and, and able to partake in as well there. And music. I think that's a new one that we have. There will be some activities and some music as well. Just to go back yes. quickly to the kids. Yes. Uh, what are those, what's being shown for children? Is that, how is that curated as far as the content again uh, a block seeing yourself yes seeing so yourself. children can okay. see them animated uh, yeah. cartoon characters exactly black, okay. people of color yes yeah okay exactly. so there's yeah. four world premieres nine international premieres one north american premiere um and it's so it is definitely canada's largest celebration of black history month through films and more there is a hashtag if you're on uh, social media it's TBFF19, so that is Toronto Black Film Festival 19. Now tell everybody where they can go online, what the website is, and how they can get tickets. Yes, the website is torontoblackfilm.com. Go on there, get your tickets. Don't wait. Don't come downtown and think that you're going to get a ticket and you can't get one. So just to be sure, order it online. So, and if somebody wants to submit for next year, when does all that process start? As soon as you finish this year? Yes, because there, yes, yes. So again, network. You know, come downtown and network with people. Just don't come down and see a film, have something to eat and go stay around, look for people, ask for business cards. I think everybody's doing business cards these days. You know, exchange numbers, social media, look for Fabian, look for Joyce, look for myself and ask questions about how to get involved for the upcoming year, for next year. Sounds amazing. It does. Um, Well done. Now, you're also a performer. Are you... Are you in anything? Are you doing no, I have, I'm working on, I have a film that's in post right now, so I need a colorist. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. So then, when are you hoping right that will be out? That when? should be as soon as we can get it finished. Like, we've got a few more things. Like I said, I do need a colorist. It's called Desperate Church Wives. And, Desperate uh, Church Wives. Yes, I yes, love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's based on a one-woman show that I did and got a Canadian Comedy Award nomination for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, thank you so amazing. much thank for you. telling us. And you'll have to come back and, and talk to us more and tell us when when that's out yeah <laughs> thank you so remember torontoblackfilm.com get your tickets there thank you thank you what she said with christine bentley and kate wheeler will be right back still being picked on for being picky perfect Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Direct selling is usually associated with party plan or network marketing companies. However, these aren't the only type of companies that use direct selling. Joining us today to tell us more is Linda Rose, General Manager of Mary Kay Cosmetics, and Nadia Desroches, a Mary Kay Independent Sales Director. Welcome both of you to What She Said. Thanks for having us. <laughs> okay, so for some who may be a little confused, tell us 
exactly what direct selling is? Well, direct selling is a really exciting industry in Canada. It is comprised primarily of 82% of them are female, which is mm-hmm. exciting. More than 1.3 million Canadians sell direct selling. So really what it is, is it's the purchase from the company to the consumer. So in Mary Kay, um, our consultant, Nadia, would purchase directly from, the cu- from us as a company, and then she would resell to the, to the consultant. So they also have the option to sell, you know, from their home, from a website. So they're not using traditional retail outlets. Right. So I, I, you meant re- sell directly to the consumer. Correct. Yeah. I guess it's it's the the growth or the the uh, becoming a grown up of, of what we used to think of as Tupperware parties. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So it's all about your network. It's networking. It's entrepreneurism. I think what we find what is really exciting is that women come out of there no matter what time in their life. So so I can remember meeting Nadia when you just had young children mm-hmm. and, you know, the children have grown. So it's one of those businesses that can evolve with you, depending on how your lifestyle is going, where you want it to fit into your life. You know, you run your own business, you're in business for yourself, but really not by yourself. So I guess that's why it's such a great business to be in, direct selling for women. Mm-hmm. So when did you start, Nadia? So I started, it'll be 20 years next wow. month. Yeah. And at the time I was home on a mat leave with um, an extended mat leave with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And I fell in love with the eye cream. And I thought the idea of getting the eye cream at cost price and would be fun. And I thought, well, let me try this and see if I have, this might be a viable opportunity to have the flexibility to work from home. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to my director's meetings each week, basically, my husband used to say, just to get out of the house. It gave me an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you're we understand. Little ones. <laughs> you understand. You understand. conversation about anything. Exactly. <laughs> it gave me an excuse to get cute, put on pantyhose, and go out and have some fun girl time instead of just going to the mall and spending money. So, And I'm so glad that I actually did that because that's where I actually saw the bigger picture with things. And um, I wanted to say that it wasn't until I went to my first leadership conference, which is a conference for directors only, and that's the top 2% of the company, that I saw that this was such a lucrative business opportunity. Um, I went to San Antonio 18 years ago, and by that point, as Linda said, I had small kids, but but by that point, I was um, seven months pregnant with baby number four. So I used to get kind of teased that I was in two kinds of production. (laughs) (laughs) And I went to San Antonio, yes, to kind of escape and get away, but I'm so glad I did because it was meeting those directors there and seeing, imagine 8,000 women all in the same director suit. Um, there's such a sense of sisterhood and belonging. And these women were professional, articulate, career women who had left amazing professions to do Mary Kay full time. And I thought, wait, what? Like, I did not realize that this was something that you yeah. could do this way. And that's when I knew that if it's good enough for them, this is good enough for me. How has the landscape changed for direct selling in, mm-hmm. let's say, her career span, your career span? What do you see? It's it's changed dramatically. I think, you know, when I started, it was just about doing a party, doing a skincare class. And now we do things through social media. Each of the directors have their own website. Um, they have their own branding. Um, we're, we're 
booking classes through texts. I mean, there's so many different avenues of income that a woman can have. So it's you don't have to just do the party mode. Um, you have this wonderful clientele that you connect through online. We just launched this week a, a new app that takes a picture of your, your skin, analyzes it, and then we send you a list of the products that you need. So the evolution has been huge. Um, and for Mary Kay, I think the biggest evolution is the young people that have joined. We have a huge group of 20 and 30-year-olds that are joining and saying, I want to run my own career. I want to do it on my own terms. Um, and I want to set my own hours and set my own income. And that's been exciting to see the evolution in Mary Kay. Now, now Nadia said mm-hmm. that she fell in love with, with a cream, eye cream, I think mm-hmm. you said it was. Do you feel it's very important or somewhat important to be passionate about the product that you're dealing with? I do. I mean, I think when you're passionate about what you sell, it's easier to sell it because Mm -hmm. you can use personal experiences. um, You can share how you've used it, how it's it's changed. And that's, I would say, for 99% of our consultants, they join just because they fall in love with the product first, then they fall in love with the company, what it stands for, and then they fall in love with the career. So obviously, the product line has probably gone through a huge transformation Uh, as well. Yeah. We're not your grandmother's makeup anymore, (laughs) as is evidenced with Nadia, um, (laughs) with with our young people. I think, you know, there's that idea of who we used to be, which, you know, is the pink packaging and all of those things. And if you look at who Mary Kay is, it's this progressive brand um, from a technology point of view. We've just uh, opened a brand new R&D facility in our head office in Dallas, Texas, you know, that is has more doctors and scientists than most other companies. We're very much focused on that skincare. So we're, we're unique. We've changed a lot. Now, Mary Kay is a member of the Direct Sellers Association. Correct. So tell us what that means and, and why it's important. I think for the consumer, anybody that's a member of the Direct Selling Association gives them that that sense that this company um, is following the ethics and the integrity that are expected. Because there always sometimes is, is direct selling safe? Is it something that I should be doing? When you join a member company, we are upholding um, regulatory things that we have to follow from an ethics and an integrity point of view. Plus, we also work with government. And any of those companies that join the DSA also have to be vetted. So the consumer can feel very safe. Um, and the direct selling company represents people like Nadia or the 1.3 million women, 82% of them that are women that are in the association from regulatory through to taxation, all of the different issues that it represents Mm -hmm. the companies and its members. And I would imagine, too, being members that a lot of those companies provide training and keep their members updated and all the people that work with and for them. One of the things that I think I'm so proud about in direct selling is the training that all the companies give. Um, I think anybody that has been our company, I often say, you may not drive a pink Cadillac, but I promise you will leave our company with more self-confidence, with an entrepreneurial attitude and some great training. Who gets the pink Cadillacs these days? People like Nadia. Hey, you have one. <laughs> I'm a premier car driver. On He's on order. Yeah. 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 I still do that. That's, uh, that, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. a little bit of history. So do you have any advice for would-be entrepreneurs, Nadia, if they want to start off? They're listening to this and they think, I could do this. I could fit this into my life. Yeah. Um, I would think I, that what I would advise is, first of all, if this is something you're considering, don't take advice from somebody that you wouldn't be willing to trade places with is one thing. Secondly... You could think of Mary Kay, actually, as an amazing apprenticeship opportunity. I think of my two older kids in university right now doing co-op placements. One is like ready to take a placement at minimum wage, and the other one is willing to take one for no pay. And Mary Kay is an amazing, well-paid 
you could think of it as two-year opportunity to get amazing communication skills and mm-hmm. grow in ways you never knew you could. And after two years, you'll know if entrepreneurship is something that's for you. How? What is the age gap? How young would you hire somebody or would you allow somebody? At to, 18. At, at 18, 18 they're, they're able to join. So a university student could basically Absolutely. do this. I had a really fun occasion in Quebec. I had a 20-year-old had earned her first paint Cadillac at the age of 20. Um, and we have this kind of rule that you have to have been a driver for four or five years. Well, we had to give up that rule because she was at, eight, <laughs> at 20. Um, no, you could join as young as 18. Um, and I have directors who are in their 90s that have been with our company. We've been in Canada 40 years. So we have you a You have directors that are 90 mm-hmm. years old? Yeah, they look they look pretty amazing, you know. Well, it's because they're using yeah, the products. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that, that's what's so cool about this industry is that no matter what your age, it fits into your lifestyle. Right. Right. What's your favorite product? My favorite product is our oil-free eye makeup remover. It was the first product I fell in love with, and I still love it to this day. And yours, is it still the eye cream? And No, mine is the Volifirm line because it's got hyaluronic acid, which is an mm-hmm. amazing boost of hydration. But my favorite product is the Biocellulose um, Korean-inspired mask with coconut water and orchid extract. Oh, it sa- sounds love. edible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love Nadia, tell, tell us how people would get in touch with you. So people can get in touch um, basically by going to marykay.ca, mm-hmm. and they can put in their postal code and th- th- it will bring up a bunch of consultants that are within their that area, that area. Okay. and they can choose to get in touch with a consultant and anybody that they would get in touch with would be really thrilled to offer them a complimentary pampering session and they, it's fun and it's free. Why not? Why not? Why? Uh, and how do people find out more about direct selling? Where can they go? They can go to the dsa.ca website and just learn about direct selling in general. They can also go to the Mary Kay site where we talk about direct selling and what the opportunities like. Excellent. Yeah. This would be a great opportunity for people to look into mm-hmm. young people. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Thank you both for joining us today. Tell us all about it. Thanks. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. I know where I'm gonna go I'm gonna pick my baby up And take her to the picture show Hey, I 
joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is film critic Anne Brody, who is here to tell us what we should be watching this weekend, starting with Everybody Knows. Oh, boy. You know that... Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem are married. They've been married for a long time. Well, they play ex-lovers. She's returned to Spain from Argentina for a family wedding. And her husband didn't come. And there's all kinds of under things going on. But the event is very joyous. The wedding is terrific. Everyone's in high spirits. Everyone's communicating again after being absent for a long time. Then the daughter's kidnapped. (gasps) Yes. Uh, it's really good. I really, really like this. Um, and so they have everyone searching. The police come in on it. And everywhere the family goes, they hear different stories, different bits of gossip, accusatory things. Um, and then we find out who it is. It's just breathtaking. Don't tell. No spoilers. No. I must say, though, I've got – sometimes when I see these streaming service stories – they only send me the first three episodes, so I never know what's happening. It's so aggravating. <laughs> uh, well, there's another family drama out, Trouble in the Garden. Yeah, that's very good, too. It's a deeply Canadian story. Um, the 60s scoop, of course, happened between 1950 and 1980, but I'm told it's still going on, which is when children were taken from Aboriginal families and placed <laughs> in foster home just because, to lift them out of, you know, the indigenous lifestyle, which is horrifying. So Kara G plays a girl who went through the and survived the thing, and she's obviously got a lot of issues. And she's arrested during an eco-protest because they're, the white people are, are uh, building a real estate development on t- treaty lands. So... I can't quite, no, you can't quite figure out why she's so on edge about everything. It just seems she's a bit overwrought. And then you discover halfway through that she was from the, the scoop. And then you wonder to yourself, how could she restrain herself so much? Hmm. And then by accident, she runs into her birth, her adoptive parents who are also buying into this real estate thing. And her, her brother shows up out of the blue with with motives it's really troubling um but the performances are out of this world fiona reed's in it too uh and it was shot up in nipissing on a reserve up there um just a great thing to watch very educational okay lorena <laughs> okay, this is the documentary about Lorena Bobbitt, yes. right? Okay, I've got to tell you that uh-huh. I was covering that story from the desk and the editors had a little bit of fun. They put together a three-minute video of every time I had to say penis on the air. So, <laughs> Wait a second. Okay, so you did? You did? Well, I, yeah, I was anchoring from the desk, right. and it was every intro to the story you had to say, the woman who cut off her husband's penis and threw it out the window. Well, so there was like, is... you know, it's 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 an amusing 30 seconds of, uh, of tape. I would love to see that. I would love to see that and run that with the moment your necklace breaks. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, you know, this will this will mean something to you then. It opens with the phrase there was grass on it. Uh, yeah, that would that would be the item that landed in the grass from the, the car The item, yes. And apparently uh, one of the – they spent a long time hunting for it all over the place. And then finally it was found, but the fellow who found it wouldn't touch it because of his religious beliefs. So it's a big song and dance about that. What's remarkable about it is you hear every joke in the book. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer says, say, you're going to eat that? Stuff like – very lighthearted. 
John Bobbitt has a real sense of humor. He laughs a lot and he cracks his own jo- jokes. Yeah. So, but to my mind, it's a, I shouldn't do this, but it's a story that's this big. That, that's made this big. <laughs> Anne's doing a, a six inch to 12 inch uh, difference here. And you know, that's why women are. This is a joke, but you know why women are bad parallel parkers? No. Because men are constantly telling us, this is six inches. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Let's move, let's move on yeah, to, the, yeah. to the Acorn series that you... Holy cow, is it good. The Oldenheim 12? Oh, man. Again, I'm frustrated because I'm never going to know what happens because I don't subscribe because I get so much stuff that's sent to me. Um, but a little ideal village in Holland um, in which everyone's very tight-knit. And, you know, there's bad feelings, good feelings, all sorts of undertoes mm-hmm. and everything. Well, one day a 12-year-old girl disappears out of the blue. Accusations fly. Same thing, you know, another kidnapping. Um a day later, someone else disappears, and every day over the next while, 12 people just disappear. Now, how do you explain that? This is why I'm so frustrated. I will never know. <laughs> but this is something for our have it. to look into yes. if they have Acorn TV. Yeah, well, yes, and I think everyone should have it. There is such a great breadth and wealth of intelligent television, really well done, not just from England and, and, and the UK, but from Europe and Australia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a very good service. Okay, so everything um, and all we've talked about and more, including uh, the Black Film Festival, it's underway. TIFF's having um, its next wave yes, uh, uh, weekend. Yes, yes. And the Young Creators Collab is offering, this is neat, um, a Young Creators Showcase presenting films made by young people at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. And it's free for anyone under 25. It's a great program. But we have to leave it there. So mm. you can find uh, more TV and reviews, as I mentioned, up now on WhatYouSaidTalk.com. Thanks, Anne. You're welcome. This is 105.9 The Region. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Well, believe it or not, camping season is just around the corner. And travel expert Candace Sampson is here to tell us about her RVing adventure with Ontario Parks and why all you ladies out there should put your fears aside and rent an RV this summer. Welcome, Candace. Hi, it's good to see you. It's been a while since I've been here. It is. Now, I saw I saw this trip on your right. on your social media at Life in uh, Pleasantville, and I could not. I was there. You were. Reversing an RV and well, going into the parking spot. So this is one of those, the craziness of my life the last year. When I first planned this trip with Ontario Parks, um, you know, I was married. I had a motor home and I had somebody to drive it. Uh, you know, fast forward to when this trip actually rolled around and I was down one husband, motor, one motor home. I was like a country song. <laughs> it was terrible. So, I lost my RV yeah, and my man to drive it. So I had to, I had to suck it up and I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm a strong, independent woman. But can, you're also you know, diminutive. You're, you're fairly small. Yeah. So how is it driving a big well, thing like that? You know, it was... Um, at first, I was, you know, I, the first part of our trip, I uh, we went to Murphy's Point, mm-hmm. and which was beautiful and so uh, close to home. So it was only about an hour and a half. Google said it was an hour and a half to get there. 
But Google doesn't take into account anxiety and things like that. So, so the first the first leg of the trip was a little slow. Uh, I drove definitely under the speed limit. I felt, um, yeah, I mean, at first, I, it's big. It's a big uh, thing to drive. But, you know, it really does drive like a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get over your fear pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Except for me, it was parking it. It was. was biggest you, concern. But did you end up reversing it or did I you? did. You did all by yourself. You didn't I, You didn't ask anybody around no, you to do so, it for you? So when we pulled into Charleston Lake, uh, we, you know, I had beforehand, before we went, I asked if they could please put us in pull through sites. Right. So obviously um, you're just driving forwards and then right, drive out. Exactly. Okay. Which is easy peasy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to Charleston Lake, um, they said to me at the gate, you know, well, no, actually, you're not in a pull-through. And I, I just turned to the girls and I said, well, that's, we're going home. We're going home. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And so um, anyway, I drove in and I, the whole, as I was driving towards the site, I was 99% convinced that when I got there, I was just going to pull over some unsuspecting guy and have him park it for me. But I just, I couldn't allow myself to do it. I thought, I've come this far. I'm actually going to park this thing. And I did. And, I, you know, there's a picture on my on my um, Instagram of me sort of sitting on mm-hmm. the roof of it because I was so proud of myself. You, I felt like I'd scaled Mount Everest. <laughs> well, good for you. So, But all that being said is that, you know, I think a lot of women have a fear of driving these RVs. And mm-hmm, absolutely. it's a, such a great way to get out and see the province, especially at the pr- provincial parks, because they sit on some of the best real estate in the province. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely breathtaking. So the places we went to, like Charleston Lake, uh, you know... I've got to admit, I don't know where that is. Well, it's uh, it's sort of... Uh, well, it's in Ontario. <laughs> I know. I got that <laughs> and far. It sits, on, it sits on the Canadian Shield, actually. So oh, the most eastern pretty. part of the Canadian Shield. So <clears throat> and, and it, um, so the lake there is just surrounded by bedrock, and you can go out, and it's so serene and quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murphy's Point, again, like I said, is close to home. Uh for for me, uh, which to is Ottawa, Ottawa yeah. yes. Um, so and they have they have snakes there. Well, so for yes. people who are really into nature, <laughs> uh, they're actually rare and uh, hard to see apparently. But I I managed to run into one. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yes. How did you do? I screamed like a girl, and then I got over it, and it was you know it was actually pretty cool. And they're more scared of you, and they're harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we went to Charleston Lake, which was beautiful. We went to. Uh, Murphy's Point. Uh, we went to Presqu'ile, mm, uh, which is um, they have the second oldest lighthouse in the um, province. So that's a really great thing to see. And the sites there were enormous. And I think for people for RVing, you know, in the past, I'd always ever stayed at a private RV, uh, privately owned RV park, um, sort of poo-pooing the idea of Ontario parks as, you know, not they wouldn't be as good, which is I'm completely wrong on that. Obviously, Ontario parks are the sites are massive, especially the one we had uh, when we were at Presqu'il. I'd never seen a site that big on a private campground. So you really had the room to stretch out. You know, you have your campfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it would be a great place, I think, to sort of go and, and spend a week, uh, you know, almost like a retreat. I think they call it forest bathing now. Forest bathing. Okay. <laughs> you know, we used to call uh, okay. it hiking or spending yeah. time in the woods, but yeah. now it's forest bathing. Um 
so uh, and it's got a great beach for playing in the water, and uh, you know, obviously, there's a ton of uh, things to do there, hiking and and all that. And then the other one is Sandbanks. Is oh, it? Sandbanks is great. Yeah. It is unbelievable. It's beautiful. Isn't it, it is so gorgeous. And you know, so now is the time to start thinking about booking, though, because uh, Ontario yeah, Parks true. books five months, uh, wow. so it's on a rolling window, and they book five months in advance. So some of those bigger parks. Yeah, you're looking at July already, five months. Right, and they might even already be booked. Mm. Right for because they're just go fast the bigger parks but I just have a list on life in Pleasantville now that people can go and there's sort of these ten gems that people you know maybe are not aware of that should they should really check out um, a few of them are on my list to do this summer okay so we've got lifeinpleasantville.com yep. you've got things up there and I, I guess Ontario Parks has uh, yeah Ontario, Ontario Parks. Parks has a, a, you know obviously they have all of their mm-hmm. parks listed and uh, but now is the time to start thinking about booking and I consider fall camping too because that's what we did mm-hmm. no bugs. Less people. It's not too hot. Yeah, and nice warm co- days the, for walking yep. and a nice cool night for and the, the fall, fire. And the Perfect. fall colors were out too. So yeah, great Beautiful. time. Thank you very much, Candace, and go girls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. So joining us now is Greg LeBreton, head of the science department at Stephen Lewis Secondary School in Mississauga. And he's here today to talk about the potential impact of investing in and supporting students' early access to cutting-edge technology and innovative learning. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We are all about um, supporting STEM. Um, for young people, and for those of you who don't know yet, science, technology, engineering, and math. Now, why do you think it's so important? Well, I love science, obviously. <laughs> That's why I teach it. But beyond that, um, I think if you look into, peer into the future, into your crystal ball, you're going to find that a lot of careers and a lot of society's concerns, environmental, population mm-hmm. growth, are really um, going to be depending on STEM careers to find solutions to them. And so I think if we can um, encourage students and get them excited about STEM careers and STEM pathways and and just the research that goes behind that, then I think we're going to equip them for the future much better than we have in the past. Well, last year, the school began using the Amgen Biotech Experience Labs. And you say because of that, students are increasingly charting additional paths. What does that mean? Well, one of the things we find with some of the students in our school is that they've got maybe two pathways. They can be doctors or they can be engineers. Mm -hmm. And by showing them cutting-edge technologies from a variety of different careers, then what we end up doing is we end up opening those pathways up to so many more places in STEM careers that they can go in and investigate things. So you've got environmental consulting and you've got um, food technologies and you've got so many other places that what we're doing with the MGen Biotechnology Experience 
that can open those doors up to you. So with that in mind, uh, I think it's really important that when we when we do these labs in the class, we, we look at where these kids are going and what they're doing with them. So how does it, does it give them an interactive experience? How does it actually work? This? So you can imagine a, a lab in, in CSI where you've got the micro pipettes and you've got all the different colored And they gels. solve yeah. all the crime yeah. within yeah. And they solve, uh, 43 minutes 30, and we're that's done. That's right, in 30 yeah. minutes. Um, we have 75 minutes to solve the lab. Um, <laughs> but I mean, really you're dealing with the same kind of equipment. So you've got centrifuges and you've got UV light showing glowing DNA and glowing proteins moving through gels and kids are taking pictures with their cell phones and they're really, really engaged because they Mm -hmm. can see the actual technology that's on TV that you'd normally only see. And and so it's a very hands-on experience for the students, but it also gives them responsibility for doing the real research. And so they Mm -hmm. have to figure out what is going on in that lab so that they can be successful and they can actually get um, the results that, that are expected out of what we've given them. How would you say that then this new approach to science education is changing not only their learning experience, mm-hmm. which you did, but the outcomes. Have you seen anything? Yet? Well, the real change that we've made here is that we're 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 building community partners and we're building right. bridges between other institutions and corporations and our schools. And so we're trying to unsilo the high school. And so high, you used to go to high school and you'd leave high school. And what we're trying to do is build it into a community system where institutions such as universities and institutions or corporations such as Amgen come in and bring in their expertise and, and understanding um, to students so that what we're doing is, is we're making it uh, a much more dynamic learning uh, ecosystem for students to really enjoy what they're doing and become engaged in the science behind it. So that's the real difference. I mean, labs have been done in high school for a million years, but cutting edge labs haven't. So if you have a high school teacher who's been teaching high school for 10 years, technology has changed so much in those 10 years. There's no way that that teacher knows cutting edge stuff. So if we can bridge those gaps and we can bring corporations in who have that cutting edge technology, then we can actually make a difference in those students' lives. But also you can start to mine people who have children who have that skill and don't even know they have it, and then start to put a little imagination in there, and they can see a whole range of potential things that they might want to do. Because even the cutting-edge technology is not going to be the same. The jobs that are available now, by the time those kids are through university, not going to be the same. You're absolutely right. But I think what you're really drilling down to is we're, we're making education fun again. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't put a kid through four years of high school and expect him to read about exciting stuff out of a textbook. It's got to be hands-on and it's got to be in their face and it's got to be something they want to do. And especially today when we have so many other distractions, including cell phones, you've got to make it something that they want to be there to enjoy. Is this the only high school that's doing this? No, not at all. There's uh, many high schools and many different boards in Ontario that are um, that are enjoying you know, the support of the Amgen Foundation. So there's What about lots. across the country? Um, there's 28 uh, different schools who are participating right now, I think in eight different school boards. Um, and it's growing. So it's, it's, it's slow. The rollout is really well done because we want to make sure that the uptake is done properly. Um, it's extremely well organized by the University of Toronto at Mississauga, and it has been done so well. It's so well organized that the equipment comes to us. It's all color-coded. The labs are really, really well put together, and it's just going to take time for us to get more and more labs out to other students. Okay, on that point, I've got to wonder if there are any parents that have raised any concern about corporate culture. I mean, Amgen's a big, you know, pharmaceutical company. Um, Are there concerns? We used to see this with um, soft drink 
you know, containers. So has, has anybody raised any concerns about the connection? I think what's really amazing is how out of the way Amgen has put themselves. I mean, Amgen is, okay. is doing an incredibly great job with their foundation of supporting this, but it's not a branding job. It's not a job in the classroom where Amgen is splashed all over everything. What's splashed all over everything is the incredible education the students are getting. Um, and it's the equipment that they're using. And, and you don't, it, it's not that, you know, this is a, a, a real PR campaign for Amgen. This is this is science in the classroom. And, and it comes in as, as kits and it's simply equipment that students are using. That's, that's wonderful. That's very cool. Yeah. So the, the program is on track to reach about 900 plus students in the 2018 to 2019 year. You were right, 28 schools across uh, across the different school boards. So you said that it's important to get the kids interested early. How early? If you had your druthers, how early would you start? You know, we could do this right in kindergarten. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about science is that toddlers are scientists and they'll experiment with everything, which is why you end up with such a mess in your house sometimes. <laughs> so that peanut butter sandwich <laughs> in the VCR comes to mind. <laughs> and, and, you know, we can do this. We can do this in elementary as well. And maybe in elementary, it would be better because in high school, I have students for 75 minutes a day. In elementary, I would have students all day long. Right. And so, you know, we can we can play with science in elementary so much longer and dive so much much deeper sometimes than they can in, in high school. That said, students in high school have much greater abilities and much much greater dexterity to use the equipment, the expensive equipment that we were brought that's being brought in by Amgen. So there are different places to put different kinds of equipment and different places to put different yeah. curricula for but sure. But perhaps going going forward, it could be not dumbed down, but brought down for that age group because I think a lot of children may have closed doors by the time they come to high school. Well, I think the one thing that I would I would really kind of throw out there is that maybe there's lots of other corporations out there who could do this. Um, there's lots of other things that we can do to bring in for chemistry, to bring in for physics, and to really enjoy in an elementary school classroom. And, exactly. and to have kids playing, just playing with science because it's so cool and so exciting. So you really, uh, you, you think in the time period that you've been working with this program, that the students, it's now opened um, the portals, if you were, to them to pursue um, interests beyond becoming a physician. They're seeing more options. Absolutely. And, you know, if you look into the future and you look at what society is going to be worried about in the future, population growth, mm -hmm. um, environmental concerns, uh, supplying 8 billion people with enough food. These are all areas that we're going to have to research, and they're all areas that the Amgen Biotech Experience targets really, really well. So it it broadens their field that they can go into, and then they have a great heads up on where to go into university or where to go into college and what to do with their STEM experience and understanding. Does it help if students and parents go to their school and say they want this in the school? Absolutely. And, you know, if parents know somebody who is in a corporation or an institution who think, oh, you know, maybe they could come into my school and they could offer some expertise, that's how we have to start. We have to start building bridges through networking and just simple face-to-face -face contact. And it's about building relationships. That doesn't sound highly technical. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people go to learn more? So if you want to learn more about the Amgen Biotech Experience, you can certainly go um, type into Google Amgen uh, Foundation Canada, and that will certainly pull up some really great videos showing the experience that students have had. And um, they can certainly uh, contact Peel District School Board if they're interested in what's going on right now. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much, um, for telling us about it, and uh, Greg LeBreton, at the head of the science department at Stephen Lewis Secondary School in Mississauga, um, I, th I think you're onto something. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> she said.
Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. It's time to fight because I'm feeling dangerous, dangerous, victorious, victorious, feeling glorious, glorious, because this means war. listening to is This Means War, the new single by Toronto singer-songwriter Michelle Cavallari, who joins us now in studio. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having me. Tell us how you got started in the music industry. I hear you picked up the piano as well as guitar before you were even 12? Yeah, so I started playing piano when I was really young. My mom put me in as like a a toddler almost, I started playing and my grandfather, he uh, played piano and he was into the accordion and and introduced me to that. So I started doing it that way. And then by the age of 12, 11, 12, I started taking an interest in singing and I got into singing lessons and that's when I got guitar lessons as well. So yeah, it's been a long, long journey for sure. Now you're working on a new EP. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. So um, I released a single, my first single off the EP, This Means War. And now I'm, I'm working on uh, three more songs that will also be on the EP. Uh, two of the songs I wrote, one of them is uh, one of them that I'm going to perform later. And it's uh, I wrote it coming out of high school. So it was a big, big deal for me. And then the other two songs, one's kind of like a doo-wop 50s type of tune. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, more like Avril Lavigne type of song. So I'm really excited about that. It's my first EP. Well, how would you describe your music? Because that's right. quite a range. Right, right, right. So I know. So uh, I would say cross between Bruno Mars and Avril Lavigne because I have inspiration from both. Okay. So it turns into this like cool little mixture of, of pop and R&B and, and uh, rock. So it's, it's really cool. And yeah. you have a band. I do have a band. Yeah. So they're all my friends that I, I met at school and they come with me on all my gigs and, and we perform like that. Yeah. So how can people connect with you online? Where can they find all Anywhere on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Michelle Cavs. Uh, it's my last name, shortened. So, so C-A-V-S. V-S, yes. Michelle Cavs. Yes. Oh, well, thank you yeah. so much for thank joining you. us. And singing us out now live in our studio sessions, here is Michelle Cavallari performing Nothing Lasts Forever. Here we go again, starting from the beginning, wasting time at my life on you. Sunday night, another train ride home to this world I know, if only you could understand. I don't want to go. But I think I'm better 
try to ignore it But I just can't hide from the truth anymore I try to adore it But it's time for me to close this door I'm sorry if this hurts you And I don't wanna cry But you and I both know That it's time to say goodbye I don't want to go find faith I don't want to go but I can't say and if I see you again I can't say I'd call you a friend cause this is the end and I don't want to go but I Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.